Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. Hey, good morning, Real Life family. How you doing? You guys live out there? A little bit? You know it. I like that. I'm alive, Petrie. Man, I'm excited you guys are in the house. Thanks for joining with us. Hey, if you're new, I want to say you're honored guest. You belong here. I believe God's brought you here on purpose with a purpose. Hey, Real Life, join me one more time. Welcome everybody that's new this morning. Come on, give it up. Man, I just want you to know God's brought you here uh, just for a significant purpose. I know we're talking about money today. I want to encourage you. uh, You can let go of your wallets and your purses. I'm not going to ask for money. Amen. Some of you are like, okay, <laughs> not ask for me. I want something for you, not from you. And this uh, next five weeks, we're going to dive into something very special. I believe God's going to use it to change your life. Uh, this is just something that's so passionate for all of us just Christians to know, man, that God's in control. And so I just want to just encourage you to lean in throughout this series. Uh, this is a five-week series. We're diving into different principles to help you find financial freedom, financial margin in your life, uh, just following the God-given principles from the Bible that he gives us to, uh, to follow him. And so we started on a journey about six weeks ago as a church. We launched our life groups of Financial Peace University. Some of you guys decided to do something a little weird. You decided to be abnormal because normal is to have some debt, swimming debt actually, credit card debt everywhere. Some of you decide that you were done having a car payment. And some of you guys are like, man, I'm going to try to pay off my house one day. You guys are crazy. You guys are doing something a little weird. Uh, Dave Ramsey calls it uh, your student loan, something you call it as a pet, a pet named Sally and a cat named May, right? It's a little Sally May for you. You've had it so long, you don't know it's any different. And so this morning, some of you guys are going to get a little weird. Some of you guys are going to say, you know what, I'm going to follow God's plan for my finances. There's a group of people who started this six weeks ago. Matter of fact, 38 people adults in our church signed up for Financial Peace University have been making headway. Can you give it up for those 38 people that are trying to find financial freedom? Man, if you're one of those people, I want to encourage you. You're making a difference. I know you start out, you're like, man, we're not making any headway. Man, you're making some big headway, some big margin. I know some people have sold vehicles to get right side up. Some people start putting money in savings. Man, some people start doing a debt snowball. Hopefully, all of you have given every dollar a name before you got that dollar to where you're going to spend it. I mean, who's made a budget so far? Come on, somebody. A few people. Like some, like, mm. <laughs> yeah, you made a budget, didn't follow it, right? But God is, God is beginning to do something incredible through a church. I know some families have finally got together on the same page, the husband and wife going, hey, you know what? This is what God wants for our finances. We're going to find financial freedom. I know so many money fights. I know some people have, have just conversations they have not had in years and years and years about their finances. So it's encouraging to see what God's doing. But I'm going to just encourage you some more today. This is just the beginning. I mean, what would it be like to wake up one day without a car payment? Come on, somebody. You see a little four or five hundred dollars or whatever it is, or maybe the second car payment, or maybe the house payment. Maybe when you cool to wake up one day without a house payment, you're like, Petra, you're crazy. Like, is that ever possible? It is possible. Man, what would it be like to go to Nebraska Furniture Mart, <clears throat> excuse me, to go to Nebraska Furniture Mart and pick out that nice new living room set with that, you know, 180-inch TV, right? And uh, not have a bill come in the mail the next month. Would that be cool? It wouldn't be cool if you have an emergency in your life and you just pay for it with cash. Man, this is what we're going to talk about in this next five weeks, like how to find financial freedom in your life. I believe God has gifted us and, and graced us to have financial freedom in our lives. 
You know, we're not going to stop just with the financial freedom of just saving money. We're going to follow principles for the future so we can bless other people around us. So over the next five weeks, we're going to dive into five different principles. And we're going to start with today with number one, a principle that's going to help you follow God and find financial freedom. First thing is this, if you're taking notes, if you want to live a life of financial freedom that's debt free, first thing is this, is that you completely trust God. I know it sounds really simple, right? <laughs> Just completely trust God. But this morning we're going to dive into this and break this down. I think one of the major reasons we don't trust God is because we love our stuff. Amen? I mean, check out this picture on the screen. This is my, uh, my shed. I've been building this for like the last like eight weeks or so on my Mondays, my day off. Um, yeah, I finally got it done. I had to zoom in a little bit. It was the wrong direction. But, man, I finally got my shed done last week. And, uh, man, I was like, man, it looks awesome, man. I love this thing, right? It's like Fort Knox. I got so much metal in the front of those doors. I mean, those things aren't going anywhere, amen? Um, but you know how long it took me to fill my shed full of stuff? Come on, somebody guess. How long did it take me to fill my shed full of stuff? Yeah, five minutes. That was close. <laughs> it was less than an hour. I'll put it that way. I just took my stuff from my garage and boom, and I was like, oh, that was it. <laughs> I, spent eight, I, spent, I spent eight, six, eight weeks on that for, for 30, 30 seconds of filling it. Uh, I basically moved my stuff from my garage to my shed because my kids are taking over. Anybody like that? Kids are taking over my house. And so I took my stuff out of my sub-basement because I got so much stuff, right? And I moved it to my garage and I took the stuff on my office that I store it for a church, all those events. Just, I have random stuff. You don't like come to my house. I got like legs that are broken. You know, I've got, I've got, I've got jackets. I mean, I've got AstroTurf. I mean, I don't know why I have this stuff. It's just crazy church stuff. So I'm putting that in the sub-basement. I just have stuff everywhere. Some of you are like that, aren't you? You just got stuff just laying around. Some of you guys got storage units of stuff you haven't been to in years. You're paying 80 bucks a month on. You're like, I don't even know what this stuff is even here for. Man, we love our stuff. You know what I find out is that it's hard to be content in a consumer-driven culture. It's hard to be content in a consumer-driven culture. You know, most of us, uh, we see an average of 3,000 commercials a day. 3,000 advertisements a day. In a 20-year period, that means you're going to see over 1 million advertisements that are asking you to buy their product. It means simply this. Their message is, you need what I'm selling, and you need it when? You need it now. You need to have this in your life. And for many of us, that's exactly what we do. Dave Ramsey calls it stephitis. I mean, the affluenza, right? Like, we have to have it immediately. This is exactly what we want. I'm about to lose my glasses right there. It'll be the first time sons fall off the stage, right? Man, we got a sickness, right? Sometimes we, we, we just got to have everything around us all the time. It's just in our nature to do this. This is our self-nature. And so the sickness looks like nearsightedness. Like we're kind of blind to long-term consequences of how we spend our money. I mean, it's so easy just to swipe the card. And you know what, how it works? You either pay now or you pay later. It's going to come back around eventually, but we're so easy to swipe, 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 swipe before we know we have so much credit card debt in our life. We're blind to long-term consequences of our spending. I mean, we live in a microwave age. Like, literally, you can put in a microwave, hit one button for 30 seconds, and boom, it pops out. Like, this idea of actually working and saving and then buying is totally foreign, isn't it? Like, we don't do that anymore. That's just completely old school. That doesn't work, right? There's actually this comedian named Brian Reagan who talks about the Pop-Tart. And now on the Pop-Tart label, it actually says on there, microwave on high for three seconds. There's like microwave instructions for your Pop-Tart. Like, doesn't that take it away from actually calling it a Pop-Tart? Like, it's no longer a Pop-Tart anymore. Like, I'm just going to tell you, if it takes 60 seconds to toast your Pop-Tart in the morning and you're going to save the 57 seconds and carve that out of your life because your breakfast routine is too long, you may be overbooking yourself, amen? I mean, you've really got to carve out that extra minute in your life for the Pop-Tart to can go in the microwave. I don't know if your life is that busy, but man, that's just what we do, right? That's just so natural for us. Like, we have to have it, and we have to have it now. Now, this morning, I just want to really encourage you. I believe God's going to speak to you through this, uh, through this message that we completely trust God with our finances. I know it's so difficult to do that. I'm going to share a part of my journey and really kind of just dive into some principles that will be helpful for you. But I believe some of you are going to have an aha moment this morning. Some of you have been living in debt. 
just over, over the top. You've been just making paycheck to paycheck. Most of us are in the season where seven out of 10 of us can't afford it. An emergency shows up. We have to borrow money. We have to put on credit. Man, we're, we're stressed to the nines with our finances. And this morning, some of you have an aha moment from Jesus. Some of you are going to remind of some simple truths that's going to change your perspective. You're going to step back and you're going to see a different view of what God has for us in his economy and how we follow his principles. It's actually one of the verses I want to share with you is found in Matthew 6, verse 19. So do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin, I like to say varmin, where varmin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves not break in and steal. I love verse 21. For your treasure is there your heart will be also. I believe this morning you're going to find out that you want your treasure right next to Jesus because he is your treasure. Like you want to put stuff right next to him. I think some of you are going to put on maybe the lens of God this morning and you're going to see a little differently. Some of us have been so nearsighted. Wow. You know, I'm actually nearsighted. I don't know if you knew that or not. A couple weeks ago, we did a colorblind test, and it was actually kind of fun because somebody in the second gathering found out they were colorblind, which was amazing, by the way. And if you're here today, I'm really sorry, but I, think it's, I still think it's awesome. It was like the highlight of my Sunday, by the way. But we're not going to do a near, nearsight test, but I'm nearsighted, so like now I can finally see you. I usually just see my notes, but I can now see everybody in the room. So I'm colorblind and nearsighted, so I'm just, I'm just awesome like that, you know? But we put on these lenses, and we start to see that God has something more for us. Hey, this world, we're just passing through this world. Like this world is in our home because we're not going to store up treasure here because you know what? This is where I'm going to stay forever. I'm going to put my treasure next to Jesus. I want God to have my heart. I want to be blessed. I want God to bless my life. And so I'm going to bless him because he has given everything to me because he's so generous. I'm reminded of the truth that this earth is not my eternal home. I mean, that my heart isn't in my stuff. And so many times stuff has brought me comfort and it brought me peace. And I thought I had control and I thought I was going to get joy. But you know what? Today we're going to realize we're going to have an aha moment that it's really not about any of that stuff. That our stuff is insignificant to really what Jesus did on the cross. And my heart is all for Jesus. So I'm going to be content in every single thing. Who knows that money cannot buy contentment? You know, I've been in the middle of Africa. And I'm going to tell you, I've learned this lesson the hard way over and over again. Because I struggled with not making enough money. That was my, my big insecurity and doubt. And I talk about that. But in the middle of Africa, I've seen people without shoes on living in a slum. That their life expectancy is less than age 30. That run around without just one single pair of clothes without shoes on. I'm talking in, in raw sewage in the streets. And when they, when they worship Jesus, I'm just telling you something. There's a joy that's in their life. You cannot find here in the United States because I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is the only treasure they have. And it's so easy for us here to replace Jesus with all of our stuff and our comfort and the things we can put in our life and our giant 401k and our bank account, right? Or, or giant 401k, right? We can put this stuff around us to have control, but guess what? It's all about Jesus. Now, I've seen grown men in, in uh, Togoville, uh, Togo, West Africa in huts and uh, their life expectancy just under 40. And uh, these guys are grown men jumping up and down singing the most high God. And they're jumping up and down and rolling on the ground. I'm like, man, you know what? You can't get Americans to show up to church. You can't get Americans to raise their hands when you worship Jesus. But these guys, man, there's a joy. I'm telling you, you can't buy that type of joy. So I'm just going to tell you this morning, some of you guys have an aha moment that there's something way greater than the American dream. There's something way greater than trying to find all this stuff in your life and have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. Because I tried to roll that way and it doesn't work out. So I'm going to encourage you this morning, how can we be content? What does contentment look like? Here's, what, here's a definition for it. It's a book called Authentic Faith uh, by Gary Thomas. He says this, contentment is nothing more than soul rest. Somebody say soul rest. Soul rest. Soul rest. I don't know, but that just sounds good to me, right? 
Like, it's like the last thing I need, I do, but I need soul rest. Man, it's satisfaction, it's peace, it's assurance, it's a sense of well-being that's cultivated by pursuing the right things. I love this. Instead of more power, instead of more money, instead of more pleasure and more control, we seek an abundance of grace and peace. You know, I was 18 years old, to be real frank with you. Uh, God had called me into full-time ministry. I surrendered my life at a camp and said, God, I'm going to serve you my rest of my life. I don't know, I don't know if it's going to be a preacher, a missionary. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to serve you. And my greatest struggle, and, th- and to be honest with you, this is really selfish, but my greatest struggle was that I wouldn't make enough money if I followed God. And I think a lot of us struggle with that. When I was 18 years old, I was like, man, if I go into ministry, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay the bills or have what I want. Like, I want to have the money because I thought money brought happiness. Like, I thought I had enough money, I could, I could enjoy my life. Like, and as a matter of fact, I thought it would help me really uh, make best, better decisions. Like, I could control things around me. Like, the problems would go away. And if I couldn't, like, solve the problem with money, then I could have enough money to control the problem, right? And so my dream at 18 was to, to follow Jesus and to have everything the world offered, And so I was on the fence at 18 years old, deciding what to do with my life to follow God. I'm going to tell you, God has taught me over time that I was completely wrong. That was completely wrong. And I see the people in Africa and people in in Mexico and people in uh, Colombia, South America, and I cross the world. And I see the joy and the passion and the contentment in their life. And they have nothing. I've got more. I spend more money every day eating food than they make in about half a year. They live on a dollar a day. But there's a joy and a passion that only God can give them. There's a contentment that only comes from Christ. I'm telling you something, you can't buy that kind of contentment, that soul rest. And so I read this definition of contentment that we're pursuing the right things instead of power, money, pleasure, and control. I thought, wow, that was me at 18, wasn't it? And I'm so thankful that I decided to follow Jesus and say, God, I'm going to trust you. Because guess what? Like, I, I never thought I'd have what I have today. Like, I never thought I'd have the material possessions I have today. I never thought I would. I seriously, I didn't, like, plan on that. I didn't, I didn't expect that. I said, God, I'm going to follow you. That means I'm going to be poor, and I'm not going to have it. Now, that's actually the complete opposite because you follow his principles. God actually blesses your life in different ways. That doesn't mean you're going to be rich, but God always takes care of you. And this idea of, of being, having soul rest, and most of us are restless, aren't we? Uh, we're restless because, you know, we, did, we got passed up on the raise, and so we're, we're pushing hard for the next raise. And then you want that new computer, but you just can't afford it quite yet. And then you want that new house and the new car, but it's just a little bit out of reach. And then uh, your new neighbor moves in, right? You start comparing yourself to that neighbor, and they got the raise, and they got the job, and they got the new car, and they got the new house. And you're like, oh, man, why can't I just be like them? God, why can't you just bless my life like you're blessing them? We just want all the stuff around us. Man, Paul says this, and uh, I love this. This falls on the heels of this Anxious for Nothing series. And this passage of scripture comes literally right after the passage we've just been preaching on for four weeks in Philippians chapter four. And so Paul is still in that prison cell, and he writes this powerful passage to us today about what it means to be content in all things. I love it. Verse 10, he says, I rejoice greatly. Somebody say, rejoice greatly. And I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you, this is the church of Philippi, renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but had no opportunity to show up. What he's basically saying here is, hey, I'm so grateful that God put, put, you, put me on your heart. And I'm so grateful you thought of me that I needed some help and that you're sending resources to me. I'm so grateful that God put me on your heart. But guess what? Verse 11, hey, I am not saying this because I'm in need. I'm not telling you this because I actually need something for I've learned to be content. Somebody say Content. I've learned to be content, whatever circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret. I love this. The secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. 
mean, basically what Paul is saying is, I don't really need your help, but I appreciate it, but God's got this taken care of. Because guess what? I've learned in every situation, whether I'm hungry, whether I'm starving to death, I learned in every situation I can trust Jesus. Man, I love this passage about what does it look like contentment isn't about stuff, is it? I mean, this cuts through a knife about our stuff, doesn't it? Like all of a sudden, like uh, all that things in my life, they don't really matter because it's all about my position in my heart because guess what? I'm content because I know Jesus. I'm content because I know Jesus put me in this situation. Here's Paul writing from the prison cell saying, hey, guess what? I'm content in all things rubbing in this prison cell and I got this Roman guard who passes gas all day next to me and I'm chained to him. Man, whether I'm getting food shoved under the door every day, I'm content in Christ. I appreciate you want to help out, but God's got this. God's got a plan. If everything falls apart around me, I'm still trusting Jesus because I'm not nearsighted. Like, I know there's something bigger going on. My treasure isn't in this world, so it's okay I don't own all this stuff because God's got a plan and a purpose for my life because I still have Jesus. You can take everything you want, but I've got Jesus because Jesus is my treasure. I'm going to be content in all things. So how do you develop contentment? Like, how do you actually do that? Because it's like a great ideal, right? Like I just told you, man, I was struggling. 18 years old, I was struggling. How do you develop that contentment? It's so hard to do. It's such a process, but I'm going to encourage you to take some steps, and it really involves this big step, and the first thing is this, is to trust God completely. It's going to take a step of faith. It's going to take a step of faith to put your faith in God and ultimately not in yourself. We're going to call that visa, right? Because we're doing own power. So we're going to say, you know what? I can't afford this. There's a financial situation. Swipe the card, amen? Swipe the card, swipe the card. And I'm going to dig myself out. I'm going to be a self-made man. I'm going to put one foot in the world and one foot with Jesus and God, you're going to take care of this. But I'm going to keep talking myself into spending and spending and spending. And put on my American distress cards, we like to say, right? But the Bible tells us something different. The Bible tells us to save money. The Bible tells us, matter of fact, that a fool is a person who actually doesn't save money. It says in Proverbs 21, 20, it says, The wise store up choice foods and olive oil, but the fools gulp theirs down. Man, faith in God, the principle of God is that you save money. When you put faith in Jesus, you're saying, I'm going to save it, then I'm going to pay for it. That's a biblical principle to follow. Matter of fact, 7 out of 10 Americans cannot afford a $5,000 emergency without borrowing money. Isn't that crazy? I mean, less than 2% of people in the United States actually retire. So basically what we do is we work our entire lives... to make somebody else rich. <laughs> we work for our entire lives to make other people rich around us. We're in a cycle of buying products and buying products and consumer cycle. But it says this, the wise stores up choice foods and olive oil, but the fool gulps theirs down. Man, trusting God's a proven financial principle. Man, I don't know about you, but whether the market is going up or down, man, I'm saving money. It doesn't matter the market's going up or down. I have my money. Now, it depends where you put that, right? But whether I'm laid off or whether I have a job, I mean, these financial principles work. I'm going to trust Jesus. I don't need to have everything right now. I can have delayed satisfaction and gratification because I'm going to put my money aside because I know the rain is going to come someday. But I'm going to trust God right now. These aren't just some kind of spiritual principles that are out there. The Bible's not some book that was written thousands of years ago that just has some good ideas. I mean, this is proven financial facts from God. You know, Jesus talks more about money than he talks about heaven and hell combined in the Bible. Isn't that crazy to think about? Like, why did Jesus talk about money so much? Because where your treasure is, there your heart be also. You know, Jesus doesn't want your money. Jesus wants your heart. Jesus wants you. Your money is, is, just, is just your response to your generosity. It's your, it's your response to your trust in Jesus. And so how you spend your money is a direct reflection of what you love. It's what you love. If you look at your spending, you can go, what do you really love in life? What do you really love in life? How do you control your finances? I'm just telling you something. Jesus has a purpose for your life, and he wants you to be content in all things, but it's all through trusting him today. It takes a step of faith, not in the Visa card, but in God. Second thing is this. Fill your heart with gratitude. Man, fill your heart with gratitude. You know, you know it's, uh, you notice how you, you, ingrat- you have ingratitude about stuff, and all of a sudden you get stuffitis, and your attitude changes about what you have? 
Ever, ever struggle with that? You have a car that's breaking down? Come on, somebody. I'm not going to bring my truck up again, but it's in the shop. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so it just keeps breaking and breaking. And you start looking at the new car, and you start looking at a different car, and you're like, man, my truck, the, the, the paint's all chipping off. It's got some rust on that, you know? And then the interior's got more stains and a weird smell because my kids spill milk in there, and it's just got that nasty funk, you know what I'm talking about? And then, then you start hearing that brake squeak more and more and more, and then all of a sudden you're like, is that engine making a noise? And you can talk yourself into literally saying, like, I need a good car. This car is not safe enough. This car isn't big enough. This car isn't good enough. Now, I think oftentimes our ingratitude drives us to actually have stuff we don't even need in life. You know, oftentimes we can talk ourselves into something we don't even need over time. It's not the impulsive shopper that's really going to get you in debt. It's really that big purchase, right? Like, I really need this and I need it now. You know, oftentimes people are like, hey, when you guys build a building, do when God provides for us to build a building. <laughs> Amen. Like, we're not going to go risk it for the biscuit, right? We're not going to be like, let's get in the building because we have a building. No, 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 we're not building a monument to the past. We're, we're, building, we're building a movement to the future. And God will provide in his time for us. It's the same way in your life. You know, I'm like, do I need a new truck? Do I need, well, hold on a second. My truck's good enough. Like, God's put it together. How many guys have an iPhone 11 yet? Anybody got an iPhone 11? No? Man, I love you guys. Who's got a 10? Who's got a 10? Where's my 10 friends? All right. Who's got a 9? All right, trick question. I like that. Who's got an eight? Who's got an eight? iPhone eight. You know we're on iPhones because I don't know anything about other phones. Okay, so I'm sorry. All right, who's got an iPhone seven? Where's my iPhone seven, peeps? There you go. Who's got an iPhone six? Gonna represent iPhone six. There you go. We're old timers. Who's got a flip phone? Who's got a flip phone? I don't know. I don't even know what's behind this. They don't I hardly upgrade this thing anymore. You know, I've got my iPhone six, and people look at me and they're like, "Man, you're you're so outdated." All right. You know, it's like, man, you need to upgrade. You got, your, your screen's cracked. I'm like, in Jesus' name, you know what? You're like, you're so old. I'm like, you know, I'm not just old. I'm cheap. I'm old and cheap. On my phone, it works, and it's paid off, amen? Like, I'm just gonna keep this phone until I can't resurrect it again. It's like my vehicles. Like, we're just gonna have that there, and it, it's the pet, right? Like, oh, I hope it works again. My screen is always cracked. Like, I'm gonna have, I'm just like, I can't, I don't wanna pay another 1,500 bucks for a phone or 1,000 bucks for a phone. Like, man, I'm just gonna go for it. See what happens. You didn't know the difference, did you? You didn't know how had an iPhone 6. You thought your password was hip and cool. No, I'm old school. Man, I don't have a flip phone. Look at Brian. He's shaking his head. What's wrong with this guy? I'm, I'm just telling you, sometimes we just got to move past. We got to be grateful for what we have. You know, I think of Paul in the prison cell, man. Just grateful I've got a prison cell. Just thank God I've got a prison cell. Man, I, th- I thank God that I have a roof on my head. Amen. I'm just thankful I got a truck. I'm thankful I turn the key and it starts and it moves. Man, I'm just thankful I got some clothes in my back. Amen. Man, I've got one outfit, man. I've, I've got more outfits than most of the world have. Man, I'm just thankful I got some food on the table. I'm thankful I can go down the street and, and get a warm meal out of a window. Now, I'm, I'm thankful I, ha- I have a Pop-Tart I can eat in the morning. Like, I'm just going to be thankful for what I have. I'm going to have a heart of gratitude. But when you see your stuff is not enough, guess what? You're never going to make it there. You know, a simple principle of being grateful is to start with what you have, not what you don't have. Start with what you have, not what you don't have. Like, look out and say, man, look what I've got. Look what I have in my bank account. Look what God has blessed me with. Look, look at the space that God's given me. Yeah, I know the roof leaks. You know, I know your concrete's cracked in the driveway. I know you got some weeds in the lawn, but we know what you don't have. But what do you have? We are so blessed. We are so blessed. We have so much stuff. It's unreal. Man, I, you feel so terrible. If you ever traveled on a mission trip, I find it hard to go on vacation and go like the all-inclusive world because you're around so much poverty. Like when you go there and you're like, oh, look at me, I'm taking care of myself. Here's all this cool stuff. And all you people across the street that live on a dollar a day. I just struggle. I just struggle with that. I just struggle with that. We have so much. We have so much. We're like, man, that's not enough for me. It's just not enough. It's just, no, it's enough. We can be enough in Jesus' name. I mean, the third thing is this. Maybe we can develop contentment. We can give generously in all circumstances. I mean, the question about generosity is simply this. Is Jesus enough for me? 
man, I'm generous because Jesus is enough for me. You know, some of us are like, man, I don't have, en- I don't have enough. I-, I can't give. I-, I don't have enough. God hasn't given me. I'm not blessed enough. I can't struggle. I'm just struggling. I can't make it. And the question is whether or not you have something to offer. The question is, the question is, what is keeping you from offering what you have already? What's keeping you from offering what you have already? I mean, you, you know what the, the kingdom is built on? It's not built on the elite wealthy people that are retiring, that bless the church and the church grows. It's not built on that. Matter of fact, it's actually built on a, a little eight-year-old boy and a sack lunch. It's built on a person that has, the only thing he has is this lunch. He says, God, Jesus, take it. Multiply this, I'm gonna feed the 5,000. You know what it's built on? It's, it's built on a widow and a mite. I mean, the smallest amount of money that's everything she had. She said, Jesus, you just take this and bless it. This church isn't built on the elite few. It's built on every single one of us sacrificing and giving to make a difference. I don't, I'm not asking you to give here, but I'm asking you to give to God somewhere. I'm asking you to say, God, just, I want to bless you because you're my treasure. You're my everything. And I, I'm doing, I'm, I've been nearsighted. Like, I want to see the stuff in front of me. I'm, I'm, I made a mistake. Like, I thought I had to both worlds. Like, I want to be in the world and the kingdom. But you know what? God, you got everything. Because I'm going to be content in all circumstances, whether I have food or not. God, you can take it. I'm going to be generous in every single moment. God, I treasure you. I'm convinced that you can meet my needs. You know, the reality is in 1 John 3, 17, it says this, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother and sister in need, but has no pity on him, how can love of God be in that person? And what it says, if you, if you see, the, if you have the world's needs or the world's materials, if you have stuff, if you have money and you see other people that are in need, you have no compassion on them. Man, how can the love of God be in you? I mean, that cuts through stuff I ask really quick, doesn't it? Like, we have so much. Like, you got, you got to measure yourself against the world's standards. There's two-thirds of the world lives on, lives on less than $2 a day. One-third of the world lives on less than a dollar a day. We are the most wealthy people in the entire world, but yet it's never enough and it never will be enough. You know, God's called us to be hope dealers. God's called us to give away what God has given to us. He's blessed us to be a blessing. God didn't give this stuff to you to hold on to it. God gave it to you to bless somebody else around you. I believe, I believe God's called us to be, bring joy to other people's lives, amen? Like when you see somebody in need around you, like, you know what? I can be the church of Philippi and say, I've got some, I've got some stuff that can help you. I wanna bless you and I'm just gonna give this to you and I just want you to find some joy in Jesus because God's blessed me and I can just give it back to you to bless you. God's called us to be that type of church and these type of people. It's not what we do, it's just who we are because we're in the image of God, the image of Christ and we serve the generous God who gave his best to us. And the kingdom of God is, is not built on the elite few. It's built on all of us sacrificially giving, giving back to God together. I believe this. And if we're faithful to build God's kingdom, if we're faithful to put him first in our lives, to completely trust him, I believe that God will be faithful to bless our lives. Amen. He always does. He always shows up. Man, Paul is in the prison cell. He said, man, I'll have all the stuff I want, but guess what? I've got Jesus. And God is using it in every single way to further his cause. Man, I'm gonna give you an illustration of what this looks like in real life. Like, what does contentment look like? This is a challenging um, thing that happened this week. And uh, this is just a tragic situation. Um, but I don't know if you heard the story of Toby Mac. Toby Mac is a, uh, he's a Christian writer. You, you probably see his concerts. Uh, he just puts out incredible music. Um, he's a producer. He's found a lot of artists you might listen to in the Christian world. He's been around for a long time. This guy is one of those guys that the Christian artists look up to. And this last week, his, his oldest kid, his oldest son, uh, Truett, passed away. He was 21 years old. And I just started looking at his story and uh, just seeing what he posted. And I was like, man, this is so incredible and so perfect for what God is talking about, contentment. And he shared his last words with his son over a text message. 
and he shares little thoughts about what's going on in his own heart. And I just thought it was so pertinent today. I want to share just a story. I know he's hurting. I, I have no idea what you can always feel like with your kid passing away. I just think about my own kids. And I'm like, man, what would I say in this moment? And he shared this, and I thought it was so powerful. This is a text message. This is the last communication that a father had with his son. This is, this is Toby Mac. He wrote this to his son. He said, I want to tell you about how proud I was of you last night. Your show was amazing. I think you got the it factor, which is very important and unexplainable. I mean, your joy is infectious and you invite people into it. Hey, but one more thing. I love this. This is so, this is so powerful. I was very, very proud of you when you went down and stood in the front row after almost everybody left and you watched Nathan's show from the front row and encouraged him. That kind of thing right there will take you farther than great art. God doesn't mess those. God doesn't miss those things. He knows his things like that and blesses us. I promise. And then here's Truett to his dad. This night before he passed away. So I love you, dad. Thank you so much. You've always believed in me. You make me feel like a superhero. Wow. I mean, you talk about a relationship with a kid. I don't know if your kids told you that you make him feel like a superhero. Like that's some kind of love right there. That's some kind of compassion. And that's, some, that's like, man, what a dad, right? And he shares this and he says this comment after he posts this and he writes this. And he says, my wife and I want the world to know. Hey, just world exclamation point here it is we don't follow jesus because we have some under the table deal with him like we'll follow you if you bless us we follow god because we love him it's our honor he is the god of the hills and the valleys and beautiful above all i thought wow in the middle of the greatest storm of his life he writes this to the world and it sounded really familiar to what paul is and god is teaching us today in philippians 4 he said i rejoice greatly in the lord that last year, the church of Philippi renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you're concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, but I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Man, I love Toby Mac. Hey, world, guess what? Hey, this is not the moment I wrote, but guess what? I'm still rejoicing. I appreciate the comments, and I appreciate the flowers, and the concern, and all this, me wondering about me, and if I'm doubting my faith. Man, I appreciate all that, but guess what? I'm still rejoicing because I know this. I know that whether I'm in need or I have plenty, if I've learned the circuit of being, or being the secret of being content in every circumstance, whether well-fed or hungry, and whether living plenty or in want, I can do all things. I can do all this through him who strengthens me. Man, what an incredible passage. And here he's telling me, my wife and I, I want the world to know this. Hey world, listen up. I know you think I'm defeated and falling apart and it hurts and it does hurt. But I'm just gonna tell you something. We don't follow Jesus because we have some under the table deal with him. Like if, if, if I get what I, I, I get to Jesus because he gives me something back. Like I follow you if you bless us. We follow God because we love him. It's our honor. He's the God of the hills and the valleys and is beautiful above all. You know what he's saying? Christ is my treasure. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. I just want to question for you this morning. What would you tell the world in your greatest storm? What would you write on Instagram or social media? Dear world, my kid just passed away, but... Like, what would we tell the world? What would we tell the world now with our stuff? You know, I think for Columbus, God's going to call us to something weird today. God's going to call us to say, you know what, my life isn't about stuff anymore. Hey, world, guess what? I'm tired of living paycheck to paycheck, amen? I'm, I'm tired of not having any money in savings. I mean, I'm tired of robbing myself of my future by swiping the card. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of stealing my own joy and my own peace. I'm tired of running in circles in my own path and trying to be one foot in the world and one foot here. But you know what? This is all about Jesus. Like, he's enough for me. 
Like, I know it's weird, but you know what? I'm going to follow God and my treasures in heaven, so I'm going to be content in every circumstance. Lord, I abound or, or, or I have need, whether, whether my kid passes away and it's going to be terrible and it's hurting and it's painful, but I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm like, man, what a powerful story of contentment. I mean, what's contentment look like for you and your stuff? But are you willing to say, you know what? Jesus is enough for me. I'm going to follow these principles. I'm going to give back to God what he's given me. Man, I want to bless other people around me. Man, I'm praying through this series called Margin that God just gets a hold of your heart. Man, God just gives you some perspective, man. This world is not our home because my, my treasure is not here. Because where my treasure is, there my heart is awesome. I just want Jesus to know you still have my heart. Man, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And I'm praying that God makes our church a church full of content people that worship God with their finances. Father God, we come before you. God, thank you so much for, for Christian leaders like Toby Mack people that show us how to have faith in the, the greatest valleys of their life. God, I pray our church would be a church just full of contentment, God, in you. God, we trust you, God, in our prison cell. God, we trust you when it's hard. We trust you when the finances don't make sense. God, we trust you in the season of doubt, but God, we're going to put you first because you are enough for us, God. So I pray it would be a, a people of generosity. God, we wouldn't make it about us. God, it wouldn't be about my name and about my control, my power. But God, I trust that your power and your control is above everything else. God, I'm not gonna put one foot in the world. God, one foot in the kingdom. God, I'm gonna give it all to you. I'm gonna follow you today. And across this room, there are those of you who are Jesus followers. I mean, you're done doing it your way. You just wanna be a little weird today. And you're gonna say, I'm gonna develop contentment in my circumstances. Today, I'm gonna trust Jesus completely with my finances. I mean, if that's your heart this morning, you wanna say, I'm gonna trust Jesus with my finances. You lift your hand high across this room. So I'm gonna start trusting Jesus with my finances. I see your hands across this room. I just want to pray and ask God to bless this. Father God, I've come before you. God, I pray your blessing. God, that we be content in all things. God, that we wouldn't look around and see what we don't have. God, we would count our blessings. God, that we would look in our own life and be, have a grateful heart. God, that we'd be so generous. God, we don't have everything, but you do, we have you. And so we're not going to run after the world. God, we're chasing after you. So God, I pray you bless us because we're going to give to you generously. God, we're going to be the most generous people on the planet. God, we're going to give back to you because you sent your son to us. God, we know we're blessed to be a blessing. God, teach us to be grateful. God, teach us to save our money. God, teach us to trust you with our finances. God, not to rob our future. God, today we're going to make a, a commitment, God, to change our life. We're going to trust you. And we're going to let you in on our finances. God, we're going to give control and power to you. We're going to put you right in the center of our lives today because we trust you to all things. Christ has strengthened me. He didn't say we can have all things. He said we can do all things. We can do every circumstance because of Jesus. As we keep praying, some of you may recognize your life has been in pursuit of stuff and wealth and it never seems to be enough. You may have walked in here thinking the Bible is a good book, but you're recognizing today that it's real and that you want to know more about Jesus. Who is Jesus? Jesus, sinless son of God. He gave his very best for you. He gave his own life. Matter of fact, he died on the cross for your sins. The Bible says that he became sin for you. He covered every wrong past, present, and future in exchange for every right, every blessing of God because he wants a relationship with you. It's called the good news of Jesus, the gospel, because Jesus wants you today. Jesus wants your heart today. The Bible says that anyone calls on Jesus will be saved, will be set free, will have new life in Christ. But you're not here on accident. God knows you by name. God put you here on purpose. God wants you this morning. So this morning, if you say, you know what, I want to trust Jesus. I want a new life. I want a heart of generosity. I'm making it about myself, but I want Jesus today. Man, I want to be saved. I want to be set free from my sin. I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want to be made new this morning. If that's you, just lift your hand high across this room so I can pray for you. So I want a relationship with Jesus today. Be like that this morning. So I want Jesus. Man, if that's you, just pray this prayer. Say, Father God, I want to come to you this morning. God, you take my life. God, I made it about me. God, I've had one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, but today I want to follow you completely. I trust you. 
God, in all circumstances. I've been doing it my way, but God, your way is so much better. God, thank you for sending your son Jesus on the cross. God, you can take my life and use it for all your days. And I praise in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, church, we give God a